This morning, I, I have a few things that I want to mention, and uh, but I am subject to what the Lord has to say to us this morning. Uh, several of you were here Wednesday night, and we had um, an unusual prayer and praise service on Wednesday night. Um, at, right in the middle of it, uh, the Lord began to move in the a sense that he wanted to he, have bring healing to people. And so we had several people that came up and, and uh, we prayed for them. And um, Sharon, would you come up? Uh, she has a testimony. I just wanted to uh, have her share this with you. You want to just stand on this bottom? Yeah. Good morning, church family. I would be more comfortable sitting back there, but <laughs> Margaret asked me to, to um, testify about this, and, and the Lord said, do it. So I'm here in obedience, and um, I'm here to give glory to God. Can you hear me okay? Um, I, I would like to go back about 45 years when I first started coming to Victory Center. Don't get nervous. I only have five minutes. <laughs> so, um, but when I started coming to Victory Center, uh, they started teaching on the healing of God. And I came from a denominational church, and they really didn't teach that. They prayed for the sick, but um, it just wasn't, it, it wasn't taught like like Pastor Charlie and Margaret were teaching it, and I was really kind of skeptical. I just, I, I just couldn't, um, just couldn't believe what all I was learning. But the more I read the Bible and read on healing, it was, it was, you know, making sense in my mind, and and I was really amazed. And I found a book called None of These Diseases. I don't remember the author, but um, you know God promised that He would put none of the diseases on the Egyptian or on the Hebrews that He had put on the Egyptians. And I thought, wow, that's really, really something. And then going on down the timeline, I can't tell you exactly when it was, but at some point, I read a doctor's um, view of what happened to Jesus when he was um, whipped and uh, the, the physical things that happened. And he said that the whips that those Roman soldiers used had glass somehow and uh, metal put into the whip so that when those big, strong Roman soldiers came down with all their might, it would grab into the tissue of Jesus' back. And it took out skin and chunks of tissue. It left holes. And this doctor said that one of the authors of Bible Days said that you could see Jesus' lungs if you stood at, at his back. That's how open and hurt he was for you and me. When the Bible says, by his stripes, we are healed. 
just think about that, how horrid a thing that was done to him so that we can be well. Mm -hmm. And all through these years, I have many times uh, come up for healing or believed it on my own. And at one point, my eyes were getting pretty bad. I just could not see. And so I knew that I needed healing, and I started um, reading healing scriptures every morning that I could. And then at a point two years ago on a Wednesday night, I came up and asked Margaret, and then Alice Brazo was here at that time. They laid hands on me and prayed that my eyes would come into alignment because one eye was seeing up here and the other eye was seeing down here. And I went back to my eye doctor and I told him that God had healed my eyes, the alignment. And he says, oh, really? And I said, yes, I want you to look at them. And, and when he looked at me, he said, well, Sharon, I can't refute that because they are in alignment now. Hallelujah. And I said, praise God, thank Amen. you. And then I did a very foolish thing. I'll try to tell this fast. A week ago, Saturday, I was in Wichita Falls at a Cheddar's restaurant, and they make a very wonderful chicken pot pie, homemade. And it's pretty big, pretty deep, and usually I only eat half. But it was so good, and I was visiting with the friends I was with, and I wasn't paying attention. I just kept scooping it in. And by, before I knew it, I only had about a fourth of it left. And I thought, well, that's not enough for another meal, and, and I can't <laughs> waste it. So I went ahead and ate the whole, I think I left one bite. When I got done, oh, my stomach was hurting, and it hurt the rest of the day, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Wednesday morning, I thought, I'm going forward tonight. I'm going to get prayed for, because I didn't know what, how could it last that long? I, I just, you know, didn't know what was going on. I really didn't care what was going on. I just wanted the pain to leave. And so here we come for praise and prayer Wednesday night. And, you know, the usual schedule is we just sing and we have prayer. But dear Pastor Margaret, she was standing here and she said, you know, I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying to change the um, order of our service. We need to have a healing line. And I just went, yes, Lord. <laughs> and so I was back there and I got myself up here and I was the first one that she prayed for. And I, I love the power, but yet the gentleness that the, the anointing feels like when it pushes you it down. It's, there's nothing else like it. And um, I laid there for a little bit, and the pain was gone, and I was, I was just so happy and so relieved that my God had done it again. Amen. And um, I just want to encourage you. Healing is always there. There's nothing our God can't do. Amen. And, but we, the word will work, but we have to work the word. And we have to do what we need to do, whatever the Lord tells you to do. It'll be different, different times. But there is healing. One Amen. of those songs said, healing is here. Amen. And, and it truly is. <clears throat> and I, I just want to be a witness to that. 
and I just give Jesus Christ Amen. glory and honor. He is Jehovah Rapha, our healer. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Give it Amen. Well, I just want to share that with you. I'm sure there was others that have testimonies, but we need to know that God is working in our midst and become expectant because I believe that things are moving very fast in the world today. I believe that God is moving very widespread in the world today. We keep hearing more and more and more testimonies of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in different places. Well, I'll tell you one place that it is not going to bypass, and that is Guyman, Oklahoma at Victory Center. And so I do want to just mention that uh, what Eugene has already uh, actually talked about in the announcements, but uh, I just felt in my spirit that I know that Revival comes as a result of prayer always. So we are a praying church, but um, we're going to speed it up. So starting tomorrow at noon, from noon to 1 o'clock, the church will be open for people to come in, for any of you that want to come in for prayer. It will not be a prayer where somebody stands up and leads in prayer. This will be your prayer time where you come into this place and you can pray. Now, some of you can't come every day and some of you might. But if you can't come, you can pray at home from 12 to 1. But we're going to pray. We have these cards. Eugene mentioned it on the back table. And these are prayer points uh, that we're going to pray about. How many of you know that when two get in agreement... It's done by our Father which is in heaven. But what if a hundred are in agreement? I think that makes much power available, dynamic in its working. So we're going to be in agreement. And it basically, I won't go through the prayer points. You can pick one of, one of these cards up. But uh, it's mainly praying for revival in different areas. So if you can come down uh, between... 12 and 1, and this is going to start tomorrow. It's going to be Monday through Friday. This week, next week, Monday through Friday. So we're going to have the church open Monday through Friday these next two weeks until till Easter. And then we're going to expect dynamic working of the Holy Spirit on Easter. Bring everybody that you know, because I believe that we're going to see God at work. So I just want to emphasize that because uh, that's the message that God just keeps giving us in this church. We're not going to be satisfied with church as usual. But there is always a preparation that we as individuals and we as a church must make to prepare for revival. So I want to start this morning with reading the uh, the word that I got from the Lord on February the 22nd of this year. He said to me, you have prayed for years that revival would come with little expectation. You know, we just prayed it. But it didn't seem like it was going to happen. That's all changed. He said, now I'm creating a holy expectation in my church. 
I know you want a visitation in your church. My presence is tailor-made for each person, church, and location. In this move of my spirit, it is not so much demonstration as visitation. Now, we have seen uh, demonstrations in the past, but this is a visitation where God is going to show up in ways that we might not know. We may not have seen, but he's going to show up. So it's a visitation, not so much a display of my power, but a revelation of my goodness. My goodness leads men to repentance, and my goodness relieves the suffering of mankind and brings healing, deliverance, and freedom. That's what, we, what Sharon experienced Wednesday night. And many of you, there's some others that have, are experiencing the same thing. You're experiencing new levels of your relationship with God, and you're experiencing healing, deliverance, and different things that have, are changing you. So he said, um, My goodness leads men to repentance, and my goodness relieves the suffering of mankind and brings healing, deliverance, and freedom. Do you want this? I said a hearty yes. He said, then invite me in and I will come. And then he gave me some instructions. He said this to me, get the people ready to seek my face and I will come and fill this place. So that's what I'm expecting and that's what I want you to be expecting as well. So this morning I want to talk about um, a scripture that has uh, the Lord just impressed on my heart. It's in James, the fourth chapter. Um, find it here. James 4, I'm going to start in verse 7. You go ahead. Okay. I'm having trouble finding James. So, Verse 7 says, So be subject to God, resist the devil, stand firm against him, and he will flee from you. Verse 8. Come close to God. And he will come close to you. Now I'm just going to stop there but leave that up. I've had people come to me and say, Would you pray that, um, that I will have more of the presence of God? And I have told them, you know, to have the presence of God... You have to come close to God first, and then he will come close to you. So you start the process. So come close to God, and he will come close to you. Recognize that you are sinners. Get your soiled hands clean. Realize that you have been disloyal, wavering individuals with divided interests, and purify your hearts of your spiritual adultery. I think I'm just going to stop there for a minute. I, uh, could we see that in uh, the NLT, please? So humble yourself before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. 
Let's go ahead with uh, verse 9. Let there be tears for, for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. So what James is talking about is a process of getting close to God. The way you start getting close to God is through a process that we would call repentance. Now, last week, uh, hopefully most of you were here last week, my daughter Kim shared a message that was outstanding, and so I stole something from her. It's okay, because I'm the mother. And so, uh, <laughs> so I brought my own glass. Now, I'm not going to plug it in, but it does have uh, a light in it. But it has a scary, scary magnifying glass in it. So, uh, I have an intimate relationship with this magnifying mirror. Uh, I share time with this mirror at least twice a day. And I come to this mirror with a purpose in mind. I want to um, fix something or eradicate something. Now, the eradicating part is more important to me in this stage of my life because when I come to this mirror, I have this little object very close by. It is called tweezers. Now, you may wonder, why do you have to have tweezers? Well, because I identify with the three little pigs. They talked about the hair on their chinny-chin-chin. And so, <laughs> at this time of my life, I have learned something uh, interesting about getting older as an older woman. It's that there are hair that shows up on your chin and all around. And when you look into this mirror, now I can't see it with my visible, you know, it's not visible to my naked eye. But boy, when I come to this mirror, I have to tell you, I can see everything. And so I have my repentance tool with me. And I begin the process of eradication. And I eradicate everything on my face that I see that needs to be removed. And I definitely feel better when I'm done. Now, you may not know I've been going through this process, but I know. And I am surprised at how I can one day, I can think, okay, I think I've got them all. And then... The next day, I go back, and there's another one, and another one. And I think, will this ever stop? And um, I begin to see that that is just like the process of repentance. 
So in Mark, the sixth chapter, the 12th verse in the Amplified, it talks about repentance. So it says, so they went out and preached that men should repent, that they should change their mind for the better, heartily amend their ways and abhor with abhorrence for their past sins. Now, leave that up there. This is a great definition of repentance. First of all, it's changing the mind for the better and heartily amending their ways and abhorrence for their sins. Now, when I look into that mirror and I see these black hairs popping up, they are repulsive to me. That's why I'm okay with getting rid of it. But there are people that are, are living in sin or have these little sins in their lives that they pet them and they say, well, that's just me. That's just the way I am. And so when you think that way, then you don't change your mind. You have to have abhorrence for the sin. Now, an example, I'm not going to take time to look it up, but I think you all are familiar with uh, the Apostle Peter. And leave that up there, would you, Larry? Uh, Peter and uh, Judas. Now, they were both disciples. They were both uh, followed Jesus. Jesus had just washed their, both of their feet. Uh, it was, he loved them both equally. Um, and when it came right down to it, he had told both of them that there was going to be a problem coming up in their life. He told Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. Peter thought, no way. No way, I would die for you. He told Judas that he was going to betray him. You know, he told, he says, there's one of you here that's going to betray me. And Judas says, is it I? And Jesus said, you have said it. So he, he knew what was going to happen with both of them. They both knew what Jesus had said that they were going to do. So there was really not a whole lot of difference between the two men. Uh, and, exact, and what they did, actually. I mean, denying Jesus three times and the last time cussing about it, swearing and said, no, I don't know him. I mean, that's pretty bad. Judas just brought the soldiers and gave him a kiss, but he betrayed him. The problem with these two men were how they processed their sin. Now, Peter abhorred his sin. The Bible says he went away and was very repentant and cried because of what he had done. And you know what, how his life turned out. He became a great minister for the kingdom of God, and what he had done meant nothing as far as his future was concerned. But he repented. And Judas, we know that Judas, all he did was he went to the, the Pharisees and the people that had given him the money and says, I was wrong. He went to people, but they said, what is that to us? We don't, we don't give a hoot what how you feel or what you think. I mean, you did it, that's it. 
And he went out and hung himself. The difference between the two men is this. And the difference between how you can, can process any problems that you see in your life when you come to the magnifying glass of Jesus is you can hate the sin like Peter did and be delivered and go on and serve God. Or you can hate yourself for sinning like Judas did and went out and hang himself. There is a big, big difference between the two. And there are people living, maybe have lived their whole life, hating themselves for the sin that they have committed. Maybe they have tried to change. Maybe they have uh, seen that this was wrong, and maybe they even hate the sin, but they hate themselves for sinning. So that is not true repentance. True repentance is hating the sin, changing your mind for the better, do a 180, and doing something about it. Amend their ways. Now, a great example of um, someone who repented was uh, the prodigal son in Luke 15. So I want to look at uh, Luke 15, starting in um, verse 11, I believe it is. So Jesus is given this parable. And he said, there was a certain man who had two sons. And the youngest of them said to his father, Father, give me the part of the property that falls to me. And he divided the estate between the two of his sons. Verse 13. And not many days after that, the young son gathered up all that he had and journeyed into a distant country. And there he wasted his fortune in reckless and loose from restraint living. And when he had spent all he had, a mighty famine came upon that country. And he began to fall behind and be in want. So he went and forced and glued himself upon one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed hogs. And he would gladly have fed on and filled his belly with the carob pods that the hogs were eating, but they could not satisfy his hunger and nobody gave him anything better. Then when he came to himself, now this is the point where everything changes. He came and began to look at his situation the way it really was. He came to himself and he said, How many hired servants of my father have enough food and even food to spare? But I am perishing, dying here of hunger. I will get up and I will go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and came to his own father. But when he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was moved with pity and tenderness for him. And he ran and embraced him and kissed him fervently. So then he begins his speech. And the son said to him, Father, 
I've sinned against heaven. See, he'd been rehearsing this all the time. I've sinned against heaven, and in your sight, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I, am, I no longer deserve to be recognized as a son of yours. But the father, now I'm just going to stop there for just a minute. He didn't get his whole speech out. He got to that part, and he was just getting ready to say, uh, just make me as one of your hired servants. But the father interrupted him before he could say that, and he said, I mean, he, he didn't listen to that part. The father said to the bond service, quick, quick, bring the best robe, the festive robe of honor, and put it on him. Give him a ring for his hand and sandals for his feet. And bring out that wheat-fattened calf and kill it, and let's revel and fe feast and be happy and make merry. He said, let's have a party. So this account of the prodigal son, I'm sure you're familiar with it, but let me just, let's just look at it the way that it would happen maybe in our lives. First of all, the son came to the father. He wanted blessings, right? He wanted blessings, but he didn't want relationship. He wanted the blessings of his father, but he didn't want the relationship of the father. So it says he went away. So my, my, my title for this sermon is Draw Near Unto God. Draw nigh unto him. Well, instead of staying with that relationship, he left that relationship. And he went away. Just like some people... Even people that get born again, they get the blessing of salvation and then they get away from God. They get away like Kim shared last week. She had the mirror over here where instead of getting close to God, they stayed away from God. There are people in the body of Christ that don't even go to church. Can you imagine that? I mean, that's not the full indication whether you're close to God. But the truth is, if you don't want to come to church, there is a problem. And so this prodigal son, he went away from that relationship. Now, what was the result of being away from the father? So I just jotted down some things uh, that I noticed he, uh, first of all, he made unwise decisions. He used his money on things that were not pleasing, would not have been pleasing to the father, but he made unwise decisions. Away from God, it's very hard to make right decisions because you're going to be so influenced by the world going to be so influenced by the devil that you make stupid decisions. So he, he made unwise decisions, and invariably, let me tell you, when you get away from God, you are running right into a drought, spiritually. Inevitably, you are going to get dry, spiritually, when you stay away from God. You're going to get very dry. 
And that drought happened to this young man. And then he, the, the most important part was he lost sight of who he was. He was back there in the pig pen. Now Jews, people from Israel, had nothing to do with pigs. And yet he found himself in the pig pen. He didn't know who he was anymore because he said he was going to go back to the father and he's going to say, I'm just a hired servant. When in truth, he was still a son. But to him, he had lost sight of who he was because he was not in the presence of the father. And let me tell you, you cannot know who you are till you get that information from your father. You begin to see yourself in the light of your sins. Now, the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And it does, just because you're born again doesn't mean that you don't need to clean up parts of your life. See, um, I look in this mirror every day, twice a day, maybe sometimes more. Because I know there's only one way that I'm going to get glorified. And that's to get eradicate and fixed. And this is what helps me do it. Now when we, he came back to the father. Let's look at what happened when he came back to the father. And drew near to the father. See in James it says come near to God. And he will come near to you. Well here we see the, the prodigal son. He's headed back to the father. I don't know how far he got, how close he got to, to home, but the father did not wait for him to get clear home. He was waiting. All he wanted to see was that he was headed home, and then he ran out to meet him. Come close to God, and what? He will come close to you. But you notice the father didn't get on his donkey and go try to find his son. He waited till the son started coming back to him. And then he came to him. He, he met, met him before he even got home. And then, due to his repentance, he found out who he was. And he found out his sonship had never changed. I mean, when he got there, they threw a party. Do you think for one minute the prodigal son thought that when he got home they would throw a party for him? The first thing the father did was clothe him again with a robe of righteousness. The father, the first thing he did was put that sonship robe right back on him. He kissed him and then he put a ring, the ring of authority, back on his finger. I mean, I know the prodigal son probably thought, when I get back, I am going to get a tongue lashing from my dad. That's why I am just going to be a hired servant. But the father didn't even let him say that. He interrupted him 
and said, my son, my son, my son has come back. My son. I imagine that was a surprised young man to be welcomed that way after what he had done. But you see, repentance does something wonderful in our lives. It shows us who we are. It, it shows the, us how much the Father loves us. And it changes us from glory to glory. According to the word, I've just got a few scriptures here. I want to look at, um, mm, let's look at James, the first chapter. The 21st verse. So get rid of all uncleanness and the rampant outgrowth of wickedness and in an humble, gentle, modest spirit receive and welcome the word which implanted and rooted in your heart contains the power to save your souls. But be doers of the word. Obey the message and not merely listeners to it. Betraying yourself into deception by reasoning contrary to the truth. For if anyone only listens to the word without obeying it and being a doer of it, he is like a man who looks carefully at his own natural face in a mirror. And he thoughtfully observes himself, but then he does what? Goes off and promptly forgets what he's like. See, that's what... Um, and I, that's all the further I'm going to save time. But um, 2 Corinthians 13, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 16. Let's look at that. For whenever a person turns in repentance to the Lord, the veil is stripped off and taken away. Now, uh, just, just to remind you, when the prodigal son got to the point of repentance, suddenly he saw everything just the way it was. You know, there are people deceived, thinking they can do things contrary to the word of God and still be blessed and still stay away from God and still have peace. You can't. Sorry. Come close to God. Through repentance. And so when, the, when you repent, put that back up there please. When you repent, the blinders comes off. Verse 16. Let's read that again. Verse 16. But whenever a person turns in repentance to the Lord, the veil is stripped off and taken away. Verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty Emancipations from bondage, freedom. And all of us with unveiled faces because we continue to behold in the word of God as in a mirror the glory of God. We are constantly transfigured into his very own image in ever increasing splendor from one degree of glory to another. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. You know, I don't know why it's so hard for people to repent. It's our pride, I guess. But what glorious, glorious results we have when we repent. How often do we repent? Well, you know, I go twice a day. 
to this mirror. Is there anything that I need to change? Just this week, I believe it was Friday night, I had a dream. I don't even know what the dream is. I, I couldn't tell you one thing about the dream, but when I woke up, I knew something about myself. I knew that I had a wrong attitude in a certain area of my life. And I just, I just began to weep, and I repented. I said, God, I don't want this. I mean, I'm still repenting if I need to repent because I want to be changed from glory to glory. So I just, uh, just some things that, that this mirror of repentance has done for me. Uh, I just wrote down some things because I remember so much my journey from these last 45 years for sure, being in the ministry. There was a time that I thought my husband was at fault, that our marriage was not perfect because of my husband. And I looked into the mirror one day and I saw my faults and as a result of that, I wrote the book, Healthy Relationships, The Secret to Healthy Relationships. I thought, you know, it's his fault. But when I saw the veil was taken off and I saw myself for what I was, I knew I was at fault. There were some things that needed to change in me. And as a result, God changed our relationship, my husband and mine. I also thought that my husband didn't love me enough or in the right way. And I was always thinking that he should do this and he should do that and he should do this and he should do that. And then I looked in the mirror. One day I looked in the mirror and I saw that I didn't love him enough that I didn't love him in the right way. And that changed everything for me. What a glorious outcome. And then I looked in the mirror one day, and I, I mean, I, I, real, I saw that I had a critical spirit. I've had to deal with a critical spirit. And I looked in the mirror, and I saw me for what I was. And I had to repent. And God helped me to start making allowances. Changed. I hated what I saw in me. So uh, I, I know that there was a time that I had a spirit of fear. Fear of failure was my big fear. And I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, I see it. I see it. I see it. I have a spirit of fear. Lord, deliver me from this spirit of fear. It's bondage. Deliver me, Lord. And he gave me a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. What a great exchange that we have. What a great exchange. So I want to end with um, 
Acts, the third chapter, the 19th verse. And I'd like for uh, the praise team to come up. See, uh, don't take that down. I just had another thought. Um, you remember John the Baptist's ministry was a ministry of repentance? And the reason uh, he had the ministry of repentance was to prepare people for the coming of the Messiah. And in Luke, I don't know if you could get that up real quick. Luke uh, 7 verse, um, I think it's verse 30. Yeah, okay. But the Pharisees and the lawyers of the Mosaic law annulled and rejected and brought to nothing God's purpose concerning them by refusing and not being baptized by John. They, they missed God's plan for them because they didn't repent. And yet Jesus came on the scene in a mighty way. He changed lives all around him, but they didn't get their lives changed. You know why? Because they refused to repent. So back to uh, Acts 3.19. You can stand with me. So this is Peter talking. He's talking to you and me. So repent, change your mind and purpose. Turn around and do what? Return to God. Draw near to Him. I believe that's what God is telling me to tell you. He's telling me to do it for me too. Draw near. Draw near to God. He will draw near to you. You want more God in your life? Draw near. Draw near. Don't be afraid to let God see what you're really like. He already knows anyway. You know what will happen? You will begin to know what you're really like. So repent, change your mind and purpose. Turn around and return to God that your sins may be erased, blotted out, wiped clean. Why? That times of refreshing, of recovering from the effects of heat, of reviving with fresh air will come from the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Times of refreshing. That's what we're after. We want God to move in our midst. I have, I have a mandate from God to prepare you to receive God and Jesus, the presence of the Lord in this place. That's my mandate. And you know, I don't know, it may just be a little thing in your life that you, you just think, well, that's the way I am, and it's no big deal. It's a big deal if it doesn't line up with the Word of God. It's a big deal. Because it's, it, it's cheating you out of God's best. How easy is it to repent? Just change your mind. Do like the prodigal son. You know, I've sinned. I've sinned against God. I've sinned. 
just call it for what it is. If you've had odd against someone, if you've uh, not forgiven someone, it's a big deal. It's a bigger deal than you know. If you've not forgiven yourself, it's a big deal. Repent if you have hated yourself for sinning. God does not hate you. I can tell you for sure. God loves you. I don't care what the sin is. It may be little, like a little black hair on the end of your chinny-chin-chin. Or it may be a big splotch on your white blouse or shirt. Whatever. There's benefits on the other side. That's what I'm telling you. Great benefits. So I want us to just bow our heads this morning and I uh, stand before God. And I want you to just picture yourself standing before this magnifying mirror in front of God.